Welcome to Pre-K Spot Talks. I am Melissa, your host and the founder of Pre-K Spot, the spot for early childhood educators to open up their teaching. I am your guide down the open-ended child-led teaching path, and together we will explore strategies and ideas so that you may open up your teaching to less stress, more engagement, and an overall joyful child-led classroom. Hello, hello, educator friends, and we are back. This is season three, episode three, Let's Talk Visual Clutter. I decided to do this episode this week because very recently I was cleaning up the room a little bit and I found myself rearranging some of the charts that I have. Now, I just like to say I don't do a ton of charts just because it's pre-K. Of course, they need experience in the print, but they're not really using the charts to make it through each of part of their day. Charts are just not the thing that they're going to. But I found myself rearranging them and looking at some of them and being like, oh, why did I even have some of these up for such a long time? And it really reminded me of visual clutter. Visual clutter is one of my favorite things to talk about because there's just so much into early childhood, especially kind of goes along with last week, kindergarten readiness episode, where we're trying to do things in the name of something else. We'll get into that later, but let's get into the idea of visual clutter. First of all, what is it? Visual clutter is exactly as it sounds. It is just a lot of things cluttering up your visual space. Now, especially in a classroom, there is a lot going on. You know, you have children's artwork up, you have charts up, you have labels up, you have so much job charts, you have, uh, you know, pocket charts, you have schedules, you have, you know, calendars. I mean, we could probably go on and on and on. Now, actually, if you couldn't hear, that was a little bit hard for me to actually list because I don't use a lot of those things. And again, we're going to get into that. Whenever talking about this topic, I like to use this article called Stop the Classroom Clutter, Think Before You Paint or Hang That Poster by Colette Bennett. It was written a few years ago, but it's still very, very, very relevant. My principal also gives us a yearly reminder by passing around this article called Heavily Decorated Classrooms Disrupt Attention and Learning in Young Children, written in 2014. And again, very, very relevant still, even six, seven years later. So in these articles, they discuss how the visual clutter can have three typical effects. One effect is that it is very, very distracting, especially for students who are in the special education realm. They also discuss how the color choices in the room can affect children's mood. And then we discuss just the idea of overstimulation. Again, especially children with special needs. I'd like to share a couple of quotes from the two articles that I mentioned. The first one from Heavily Decorated Classrooms is they found that children in highly decorated classrooms were more distracted, spent more time off task, and demonstrated smaller learning gains than when the decorations were removed. And then a quote from Stop Cluttering Up Your Classroom, features of any architectural environment can have an influence over certain brain processes such as those involved in stress, emotion, and memory. When there's a lot going on, 
your brain and your visual field are competing. They're competing for what to look at and what to take in and what to remember. So when there's a lot of stimulation in an environment, there's a lot of competition for attention. And we all know that we don't want competition for attention, especially when you're working with little kids. Their brains need to focus on one thing, and it needs to be simple and clear. If it's not simple and clear and we're competing for all of their attention, it is a big distraction to students as to what to pay attention to. They could be looking at one of your charts instead of listening to you or looking at what you have on the whiteboard or on your Promethean board. They could be rolling around the room looking at all the different posters instead of writing down the words that they're supposed to be doing during their writing. Whatever grade level you teach, too much on the walls is really distracting. Sometimes kids don't even know what to look at, even if you're pointing one out. It could even overwhelm a student's working memory. They picture two or three charts in their brain and don't know which one they need for, say, pronouns or for how to share and things like that. This also goes for all of those little teeny tiny labels that you have across the room. Whether it's big, whether it's small, just an overabundance of text and small images can be really overwhelming and distracting. Now, a lot of this happens due to the name of a print-rich environment. Of course, we want to expose our children to words and language and things that are a step or two above them, but it doesn't need to be everything. It really just doesn't. So if you are doing this in the name of print-rich environments, we will discuss a little bit later about what you can do instead. So now that we've gotten over distraction, we know that all of this can be very distracting for children. Let's talk about the colors and the colors you choose in the classroom and how that can really affect children's moods. We know that color can stimulate or overstimulate a person, especially young children. Now, of course, sometimes you don't have control over what color your walls are. I do not have control over that. I am not allowed to paint them. I've asked. Trust me. But my principal did a fabulous job when she was building our school. She chose calming, low-level, great mood-colored walls and hallways and everything. Everything is some shade of blue or a beautiful aqua, kind of reminds me of the ocean. Um, The walls in the classrooms are a lovely green, not a bright green, but like a soft, deep, sort of outdoorsy green, and white. And all of these really help add to the environmental feel of the room. Now, from the article, they share colors that work well for certain levels of students. So younger children may be more productive with some brighter colors like yellow. Now, of course, we're probably not talking sunshine yellow here, but we're talking soft hues of pastel yellows. Older students do better in rooms of light shades of green and blue because they're less stressful and distracting. Warm yellows and pale yellows also work for older students as well. A quote from one of the articles is, scientific research into color is extensive and color can affect children's mood, mental clarity, and energy levels. And we all know that we want our children in good mental states. We want them to be in the green if you use the mood meter. We don't always want them in the yellow or the red. And We want them to have energy when they need the energy and not necessarily too much when they need to be chill. So creating a calm mood and vibe in the room is really helpful. This is also really helpful with lighting. 
We try not to use our overhead lights too often, even though they do have two level settings, one really bright with all of them and half the light with another one, but they can still be overstimulating. They can still change a child's mood. They are still fluorescent overhead lighting. So we like to use a lot of the natural light that we have in our classroom. I have a bank of seven windows that look out south south on the city, and it lets in a lot of light, especially in the afternoon. And so the windows all the way open, or the shades all the way open, along with lamps placed around the room, really help to diffuse that overstimulation from the overhead fluorescent lights. And we all know that natural light is where it's at when it's creating a mood for you. Putting you in a good mood, that vitamin D and all that natural sunlight is super, super helpful. So now that we've gotten over distractions, we've talked about the colors of the room. Let's talk about overstimulation. This one is especially for students with special needs because we know that sometimes... It's just tougher for them to be calm and to regulate. And when you have all of this stuff going on and they don't even know which tool to use to help them regulate, it can make them stay in a state of dysregulation or go even more overboard and become way overstimulated. Now, of course, this is not just students with special needs. This is also very true for little children. Being in a constant state of overstimulation is going to slow down processing It's going to slow down memory, and it's going to slow down everything that the children need to help them learn and cement that information into their brains to lay the foundation. And just imagine how that must feel to feel dysregulated all the time. And then especially for children who don't have language to discuss that, of course we teach that to them, but it's still hard for young children. So this is one part of the room that we know that we can take care of, that we're taking away from them. That is not hopefully going to add to their distractions, overstimulation, or their moods. Now, I'd like to talk a little bit more about why. Too much classroom clutter really gets in the way of your visual perception. And especially for younger children, it gets in the way of the development of their visual perception. Now, what is visual perception? Visual perception refers to the brain's ability to make sense of what the eyes see. Now, this information and these definitions I am getting from a blog post from Kids Sense, and I've also linked that into the show notes with the other articles. So why is having good visual perception important? Good visual perception skills are really important for everyday skills. Reading, writing, puzzles, cutting, drawing, All of the things that we do on a regular basis. If we don't have good visual perception, we're not differentiating and figuring out the things that we need to help us through our day. And of course, if you don't know what's going on, we all know when you have difficulty with things, it lowers our self-esteem, it lowers our confidence, it makes us unsure, and it puts us into that state of dysregulation. So just a little bit more about visual perception. If we're building visual perception, we want to make sure that we have sensory processing, we have visual attention, visual discrimination, visual memory, visual spatial relationships, visual sequential memory, visual figure ground, visual form constancy, and visual closure. These are all different parts of visual development. And of course, there are lots of different ways of developing these parts, but this is what we're going for. 
And ways that we help to develop all of these different parts of our visual perception are eliminating clutter. You know, we encourage children to keep their desk clear or we keep our classroom walls and things low of clutter. We position things away from a distraction. You know, we'd position a child away from the distraction that they're being distracted by. Now, if your room is covered in charts and things like that, then that's going to be really difficult to do. Eliminating visual distractions. So this is exactly what we're talking about. We're talking about the visual clutter of the classroom, but there is also regular clutter in the classroom. And another way to help develop this is to give individual visual clues and matching visual clues. Now, I'm sure these are a lot of things that we probably already kind of do for children if they need this help, but this just gives a little bit more of a definition. So now we know the issues with visual clutter, distraction, overstimulation, and moods. We know a little bit about visual perception and why it's important. Now let's talk about what we can do instead. This is what I think about every year at the beginning of the year. When I am setting up the classroom, I do not put anything on the walls at all, at all. I don't even do a schedule on the days of the week yet. This also goes for decorations. We do not decorate our room and decorations really add to the clutter and honestly are really not necessary. But that doesn't mean we don't create a beautiful, cohesive, aesthetic look. We just don't do it through decoration. We do it through colors of bins and, you know, covering the bulletin boards and things like that. And then we decorate as the year goes on with children's work. But when it does come time to start adding things to the wall, I ask myself a few questions. The first one is, does this have meaning to the children? Of course, there are some signs that we are required to hang, like your fire drill and other things like the choking sign and how to cover your cough and wash your hands. We are required to put those up in our classroom. But they're small and they're in places where the children aren't always looking. Luckily, our sink is kind of out of the way, so it's just on the sink wall that is not within our visual field at all times. Same thing with our fire drill poster. It's in a place in the room that is not always in our visual perception. And so I feel like those, while they have to be up, are in places that are not always going to distract or catch a child's eye. So I ask myself if it has importance. So the only things that I do put on the walls that are really important are our daily schedule, which are pictures of the children. It's kind of small. It's only a four by four square. And I place up the days of the week, Sunday through Monday, and it has a picture of a school day or a home day. I find that these are the visuals that my children are always somewhat craving because they're always talking about what day is happening tomorrow and uh, they like to know what is happening in the day. It's important to know your schedule and be able to see it. I also think about placing these down low. It is placed underneath my Promethean board so it is at the children's level when they're sitting and it's actually a little bit lower than their regular eye level even when they're standing. Other things that we place up throughout the year job charts because that is useful. I make them black and white and they are in a part of the room where the children aren't competing for something else to be looking at. I also place pictures of the children around the room and then I place their work. 
the rest of what is placed on the walls is their work. And this goes on to the next question that I ask myself is, is this important? And then am I honoring the child? Am I doing things to make sure that the child knows that this is their space? This is not about me. It's about them. What you hang on the walls really tells the children what their focus should be. Is their focus academics? Is their focus this learning? Is their focus the teacher? Or is the focus them? And in my personal opinion, the focus should be on the children. And so I make sure that that is what is on the walls. I am honoring them at every second. I have a place where they can hang their pictures. Where Whatever picture they want, if they're doing a picture and they want somewhere to put it, we call it the art gallery. You know, we also hang up their self-portraits. And that's really it. And some paintings. I think I might have mentioned that again, but I'm saying it. We hang up some paintings. So we add things to the walls. And, but it's all according to the children. Now, I'd like to say here, what you don't need is a ton of labels. You do not need to label every single tiny thing. I know sometimes this comes down from like the Department of Health or some higher ups, but you don't need to label the door. You don't need to label the doorknob. You don't need to label every single tiny thing. You don't need to label your centers. Now, I know Eckers tells us that you need to label your centers, but you know what? You don't need to have that up every day. Slap them up when Eckers is coming and take them down after. This way, you have just a few less things up. Of course, you need to label your bins. I label my bins and I label my shelves so the children know where the things go. But we do that with a real life picture and some words. And you know what? All of these labels are enough to show the children a print rich environment. Plus, it's print that is super relevant to them. So it makes a lot of a lot more sense to them and it cements into their brain more because they're making those connections. Now, another great thing that you can do to help get rid of the clutter is to take down those circle time walls. I already told you the only thing that I have up in my meeting area is the schedule and the days of the week. You don't need a calendar. You don't need the weather. You don't need all the colors. You can do all of these things in ways that don't add to the visual clutter. One thing I like to do, instead of having the ABCs on the wall, I have an ABC book in the bookshelf. And I also have a book size or paper sized ABCs printed out on rings. So it's a kind of like a flip book and it's just hanging on a metal ring um, in an area where I on my radiator, which is magnetized. Um, so the children can take it down with them and take it with them anytime they need to. Same thing with the book. That's the same thing with numbers. I have all the numbers printed out and hanging on the ring and the children can look at those and it's lower down to their level so it's not pasted across the top of the wall. Another thing we do is if we do make a chart, I only keep the chart up that needs to be up for the time that it needs to be up. So when we were learning how to do our self-portraits and our identity study, I had the face that we taught the children how to draw faces on only up during that time. We do have a couple of charts that stay up at all times, like how to share and like how to clean up the block area. But we also make sure, again, those are like low to the ground and they're in their separate areas. If we do make a chart, as I had mentioned earlier, sometimes it's just easier to draw it out to show children, you know, right now we're doing identity maps and that is a chart. If the chart is no longer in use, I take it down and I pile them all on top of each other. Again, I use the ring method. I have an area where it can hang. I put them on rings. And then that way the children can look at them if they want to. 
like if we do recipes and things like that, they can refer back to that recipe. But you know what? In pre-K, they never do. They never go back to the chart. But this could be really good in upper level, upper grade levels where students might need these charts, but you don't want them hanging across the room. I, you know, I've seen people put them on hangers and put them on a hanging rack. I really like the ring method because then it hangs up again and you can kind of just flip through it and you can take it off if you need to. The only thing you have to do is sometimes is reinforce them with reinforcers because it could rip easily. But these are a lot of really great ways of keeping those learning charts up and around, but they're not going to distract your children by cluttering up the visual space. Now, from the articles, these are the questions that they suggest that you ask yourself before you are hanging up a visual. What purpose does this poster sign or display serve? Do these poster signs or items celebrate or support student learning? Are the poster signs or displays current with what is being learned in the classroom? Can the display be made interactive? Is there white space in between wall displays to help the eye distinguish what is in the display? Can students contribute to decorating the classroom? Ask, what do you think could go inside this space? I'm all for students doing what they can. These are all really great questions to ask yourself. And if you think back to what I just shared with you, the ideas fit within these questions. So, I urge you to take a look around your classroom, especially now since it's the back half of the year, almost the end of the year for some people, and take a look around at what you have. Is there anything that you can take down right now? We know that in spring, students start to get, you know, spring fever and a little bit more antsy, and this could really help keep the distractions, the overstimulation, and keep the children in the right mood for learning. And then this is also a great podcast to save and think about when you're setting up your classroom and starting to build the classroom visuals in the beginning of the year. Definitely think about those questions as you're starting to create and build and really stop yourself from putting up a ton of stuff. We really want our students to be in the right frame of mind to learn at all times because you know that we're dealing with so much as teachers. This is one thing that we do have control of that we can help give to our students. So again, looking for the links for those articles. They're in the show notes. And that's it for this episode. We'll see you in the next one.